the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 105 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where we have over 2,300 members talking about baseball every single day of the year, even on Christmas. The best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes, and if you took a moment by and left us a five-star rating, maybe you wrote a nice review for us also, it's a really good way to help us get our name out there, and we would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On tonight's episode, Andrew's going to be joining me and we are going to bring on part two of the outfield breakdown where we're going to talk about outfielders 16 through 45 in the rankings according to ADP in NFBC. All right, let's get Andrew on. And Andrew, the question of the day involves the weather as there has been a lot of winter storms crushing through the United States, well, everywhere but Florida the past couple weeks. Even Texas has been really ravaged with snow that they just not, are not used to getting. A lot of people without power. Anyways, Andrew, you live further north than me. I live in southwest Missouri, and last week we had the coldest temperatures I remember ever in my lifetime. There, were more, there was a morning I woke up and it was negative 12 degrees outside. And I know you're up north, much further north than I am, so negative 12, I wouldn't surprise me if that happens every year to you. Does it get down to that temperature every year, pretty much? At no, least no, I wouldn't say every year. Um, this this past week or whatever, I don't feel like it's gotten that cold. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been colder than that in the past. So what is the negative 12? I'm pretty certain is the coldest I've it's been down here in my adult life. What is the coldest you remember it ever getting up there in Indiana? Well, I want to say, I, I think it was probably 2014. Um, we had a really brutal stretch and I remember being in the car, like starting the car up and the the dash was so frozen, like the numbers would barely even come up. And I think, if I remember right, it said negative 26. Oh, my gosh. I think. It was one of those days where it was so cold, like you would just step outside and you almost, you could feel like the whiskers on your beard, like just freezing, or, you know, on your upper lip. Like it was just, it was bad, yeah. But something like that, it, it's probably, it was, I want to say it was negative 26, but don't quote me on that for sure. Still, that's the range. I was yeah. wondering what the difference would be, and yeah. That, but this year, this, or like you said, what did you say it was last week it was negative 12? Yeah, I think it was late last week that it got to that. Yeah, I don't feel like it's gotten that, I mean, I haven't looked real close because the I've been more focused on the snow, like it's just, mm -hmm. I want the snow to just go away, you know? <laughs> Um, and it's been cold, but it hasn't been like so frigid that it's unbearable. So Since around zero, I would say, you know, like, I mean, it's cold, but just not in the negatives too much. Yeah. The, the, we've, we went to 
today or tomorrow it's going to get above freezing for the first time since a week ago Monday when we recorded last. And that is the longest stretch of below freezing without it ever getting over freezing that I ever remember in my lifetime also. I've never seen basically 10 plus days of it never getting to 32 degrees. It's just different for us down here. I'm sure ready that, for uh, ready for baseball season. Yeah, you betcha. It's <laughs> it's gonna be 60 degrees here next week one day, and I am nice. looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be like 30 here, and I believe like that's progress. So <laughs> we'll take it. All right. Well, let's get into these outfielders. Uh, if you ha- didn't listen to part one, just go look in our archives. It's two episodes because we ago because we just had Rich Wilson on with Prospect 361 last week. Go listen to that one too. And thank you for all the nice feedback I got on that last episode with Rich. Um, We're going to start off with George Springer, who is now actually ahead of the outfielders that we did last podcast. He's now the 14th outfielder with an ADP of 54, now ahead of Aaron Judge and Randy Rosarena, who are both at 57. So my question for you, you know, I know you've always liked Springer. Um, I've, I've definitely... I've gotten more and more warm to him the last few years, but would you take Springer before Judge and or Rosarena? I think they all probably, you know, kind of the same range. I'd probably take him behind Rosarena and ahead of Judge, mm-hmm. most likely. But um, yeah, I, I mean, you you could argue that. I really like Springer. I mean. One of my favorite players to watch, and he's really good in four categories. I mean, especially runs scored. I feel like his, you know, I've always felt like with Springer, the big thing that a lot of times people don't notice, or, you know, one of the most underrated um, stat categories is runs scored, and he provides it in spades. So uh, definitely like that about him. And then he, he's not a zero in steals. You know, he's not going to give you a ton, but. Um, I think I would take him between those two. Yeah, just just because he's not giving you crazy speed output, obviously. Yeah, I actually had this Springer versus a Rosarena. I was going between those two in the pot and the um, Rotomasters draft and hold that we did with Chris Winder. I was, but since I had left myself light on speed, I took a Rosarena, and I felt a little odd about it because Springer feels so much safer. But oh yeah, definitely. Uh, like of the three of those guys, Springer is by far the safest. But yeah. it's he's also the guy who, it feels weird to say this, probably has the lowest upside of the three also. Just because of the fact that, it, it, you know, Judge could hit 50 home runs and Rosarena could go 30-20 if everything broke right. So, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. I'd have him behind a Rosarena in front of Judge, but. Even then, I, if you have him number one of this group, I definitely don't blame you, and I'm sure you agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree. It's it's one of those things. I, I really like him, like I said. I mean, he's going to do what he does. So, And it's obviously going to be a fun lineup there in Toronto. So, Uh-huh. Lots of offense coming. Yeah. And next is his teammate, Kevin Biggio, at 58 overall. We already covered him on the second base podcast. And four picks later is Trent Grisham at 62 overall, the 18th outfielder off the board. Here we got two power speed guys in Grisham and Biggio. Neither projected to have higher higher batting, like real high batting averages, but 
let's focus this on Grisham as we haven't talked about him yet, but would you have him ahead of Biggio? Uh, I, I mean, I haven't really, I don't really compare the two that much because Biggio's like, you know, he has the triple eligibility or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, I think so. Yeah, I think I like Grisham a little bit more, but it's it's kind of split in hairs. I mean, I don't feel real strongly about it. Yeah, if, I think the way I'd say it is if they were both outfield eligible only, I would take Grisham, but I do get it with Biggio for you're getting three positions. Isn't he second, third, and outfield? I, I feel like, uh, yeah, yeah, he's second, third, and outfield. I feel like I'm more confident that, um, like, I feel Grisham could hit for uh, an average that'll actually help you or mm-hmm. at least won't hurt you. And I, I feel more confident that Biggio's batting average won't help you. Yeah. So I think that's why I like Grisham more. But it's also, like, that's it's pretty split in hairs, you know. I mean, it's one of those things that, could also go sideways with something like batting average, so I get it, but that's just kind of my feeling on it. I wonder where do they have him projected in the lineup right now? Trent Grisham, are they having him in the top? At number two? No. He he was the Lead last off. I looked, but I had I haven't looked in a while. I just pulled up roster resource and yeah, he's projected to hit leadoff on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's a pretty spot to hit right with right in front of Tatis and Machado. Whew. Lots yeah, of- really nice, really nice floor with Grisham. I mean, he's gonna, he should hit near the top of the lineup. The only thing that you know you worry about a little bit is if he goes into a deep slump and these other studs that they have are crushing. I mean, you know, like Kim or somebody, you never know. But um, as long as he's hitting at the top of the Padres lineup, I mean, he's gonna provide value in that spot. I feel like even though it is aggressive and you know people are aren't sleeping on him, so. Uh, you're going to have to be aggressive if, aggressive if you want him, but his walk rate kind of gives him a high floor, and I feel like he's going to be really good. I was waiting for you to say that with the whole, as, as soon as you started saying safety, feeling he's safer, I was like, it's going to come. Here comes the... I mean, Biggio, Biggio's got the walk rate too, so yes. I, I'm not making that as an argument against Biggio. I'm just saying, like, for Grisham's sake, because we had already met, talked about Biggio. So. I, I, I was meaning the move down in the lineup, safety, because that's definitely a risk, because the Padres are competing, and if you come They're out They're just so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, next up, five more outfielders. Brandon Lau at 71 overall. We covered him on the Second Base podcast. Teoscar Hernandez at 72. Michael Conforto at 74. Then we got Lourdes Gurriel and Nick Castellanos at 84 and 85. Of these five guys, who do you particularly like or dislike at their price? You know something? I I don't really like these guys, this group that much. Um, I definitely, I'm I'm just not a T. Oscar guy. Like I feel like he's being drafted extremely aggressively, and um, you know I know that there was improvements last year with a lot of the hard hit rates and stuff are really good, and um, people will kind of lean on that. But he's kind of one of those guys I've just been totally out on this. This offseason, I feel like he, you know, in a, in a worst case scenario, I, I think his floor is really low. I think he like it wouldn't surprise me if we're sitting here in like midsummer and he's a fourth outfielder. I mean, he he's been that in the past, not that long ago, you know, so 
just not really uh, not really in on Teoscar. I, I don't feel like there's even you know there's some you know a little bit of speed. He'll chip in some steals, but I don't even feel like he has much of that as a backup. And if he did, maybe I'd feel better about it. So it's kind of just power, and it's like for a guy that I don't even completely trust and that type of skill set, I just I'm not really interested in it in round five. I I did see him in a couple of my drafts. Uh, or the last couple that I did dropped to a round pick 100, which obviously is better than 72, but um, I'm just not really interested in him. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of risk in that guy. I mean, I, of everybody in the top hundred, he's near the bottom of the list in terms of like, he's near the top of the list. I should say in guys who I really do not like that ADP. I mean, yeah, you were just saying the lack of speed in 377 career games. He only has 17 steals and he used to run more. I know in the minors, he had a track record of being some power and some speed, but yeah, I I'm completely with you that there's fourth outfielder risk in that guy with Randall Gritchick right now being the fourth outfielder. I mean, I could easily see, see the scenario where they flip spots. Yeah. They, I mean, they, the projection systems have him for, nine to 11 steals basically, which is higher than for what it's worth is higher than he's done in the past few years. But, and, you know, just not really to be counted on for batting average. He did hit 289 in the short season, but you know, you expect him to hit for power. If he's in the lineup all year, he's going to hit home runs, but, and it's a good lineup, but where is he going to hit? You know, I could see him hitting six, seven, you know, and then if he struggles, you just never know. And, I don't know, just not not really a guy I'm in love with. I kind of feel like I beat that drum a lot this offseason. But the other guys, I mean, Conforto, Castellanos, they kind of do what they do. They're solid hitters, and they're probably okay. It just doesn't uh, doesn't really excite me that much. It's like one of those things I've, I've kind of always felt like, you know, outfielders with no speed, they kind of have to get you the batting average and the power. And I do think those guys are good for that, probably. But they're also being drafted like they're going to do it, you know. So it's – I don't know. I just feel – I don't feel really comfortable with them. And Lord is kind of a mix of all of that too. I just feel similarly about most of these guys. I'm probably just passing. Getting my, you know, OF1 or OF, maybe my OF2 before this and then um, kind of waiting for the guys below. I am with you on the – I really don't care for any of these guys either. I'd rather have Castellanos probably most of anybody just because I feel like he's the safest. You know, Conforto, you were just mentioning the batting average, and Conforto did hit 322 this last year after hitting 257 and 243 the previous two years. And the batting average on balls in play when you look at it was 412 last year. Insanely yeah. high considering he's a career 305 guy. And maybe the stat cast data shows that there was a big improvement showing that actually he was hitting the ball harder but you're not going to hit 420 410 420 over a full season in this league you're just not (laughs) yeah i mean like i I guess that's like kind of what you just said is why i don't really want to draft him here it's like yeah, he hit 322, and he's also shown he can hit 243 and 257. So you don't really know where that's going to land, you know, and it's just, I don't know. Like, I feel like his batting average could be all over the place, anywhere from 240 to 320. So 
it'll probably be fine. And I expect, like I said, I expect those guys, especially Conforto and Castellanos, to probably hit for um, average and power. But I just feel like they absolutely have to where you're taking them because, you know, you're not, you're not you're just not getting too many steals. I would take Conforto and Castellanos ahead of Teoscar and Gurriel, though. For sure. Now, Castellanos and Conforto, aren't they kind of the same guy? I feel like I'd rather just have whoever goes later between those two. We were talking about this a few months ago in a draft where we saw Conforto go, and I think in the fourth round, and Castellanos went three rounds later, and I was that's how what got me thinking about this is I feel like they're almost the same guy. Yeah. Yeah, very similar, right? I don't know. I don't have their projections next to each other, but I feel like they should be pretty similar. Yeah. So, so if, basically, if you're in the fourth, fifth round, and you're wanting one of those two, and they're both there, and maybe you're at near the wheel, and you pick again in four picks, and you but you do want to get one of those power outfielders, I would recommend just take take another position and let whoever comes back to you to let, make the decision then. Okay. Next up. Uh, 24 through 26 amongst outfielders. Jeff McNeil at 90. We did cover him already on the second base podcast. And with a similar ADP, with the same ADP, I should say, is both Charlie Blackman and Austin Meadows, all of them at 90. So we're talking right at the uh, end of the sixth, top of the seventh, right there at that turn. This one, Andrew, feels like the floor guy versus the youngish guy here. Who do you prefer of the group between Blackman and Meadows? Um, I would take I would take uh, Blackman over Meadows. I I really like Blackman this year. I just feel like his price is really fair, um, and I just I feel like he's a guy I can count on. Like he always hits. I mean, his batting average is since two thousand fifteen. 287, 324, 331, 291, 314, 303. I mean, he just does it every single season. He's going to give you pretty decent power. It wasn't great last year, but again, it's short sample. I mean, and uh, I just feel like you can count on him for what he does, run, score, and all of that. The one thing I'll say is, you know, like I said with Story and stuff, you know, you just never know if these guys are going to get traded, I guess, at this point because Arenado's gone and who knows? I mean, Blackman is 34 and going to be 35 in July. But um, assuming he isn't, I just feel like he's going to be good. He's going to give you, especially the batting average floor in cores. It's just so high. I mean, that's one of those unique things that he may not give you a lot of steals like we always talk about with unique skill sets. But, I mean, who else is going to, would you put a floor of like 280 on? I mean, he's going to hit for that, you know? So I just feel really comfortable with Blackman, I guess, is a lot of it. So Meadows, I think, is more volatile. You know, maybe he's got a slightly higher ceiling, but I'm not even sure if he does. And I think the floor is a lot lower. So, um, yeah, I definitely prefer Blackman. I agree on Blackman. Uh, Meadows, the thing with him is the speed, but I want to go into Blackman first before I go into Meadows is Blackman, I think, will be a lot harder for the Rockies to trade. You know, he signed a six-year, $108 million contract. And right. it does, uh, it's, the first four years are guaranteed and the next two are player options, which I fully expect him to pick up at this at this stage of the game. 
I just don't think another team is going to want to trade for him with the risk of him being 34 and right. getting out of and course. That's, that's part of what I've thought too. But, you know, you just – You it's, never know. It's like always in the back of my your head. But, yeah, I, that contract almost makes me feel better about him, if yes. anything, you know, because you obviously want him to stay there. Yes. And Meadows, let's get into him. Uh, do we give him a pass given he had COVID to start the year and maybe that's part of what got him off to a you know a tough start in the short stretch there because he really did struggle when he returned. Yeah, yeah, I would give I, I give him some of a pass for that, yeah. And I think that, you know, if he bounces back to what he was the previous year, I wouldn't be that surprised. It's just it's kind of one of those things like when you add it all up, it's like Rays, eh, and kind of like the he's always been like a little bit of a platoon split guy, you know, with the lefties. And I don't know, it's just struggled last year. And I kind of want to see it again. I mean, he, he really had one great year and he was a good prospect, but um, I don't know, just kind of after the dip last year. K rate shot up. I don't know. I just, I don't feel great about him. Honestly, I I don't think I'll be owning him on any teams, but that doesn't mean that he can't be a pretty good player. I mean, I do feel like the market as a whole is kind of down on him. So obviously there's, there's a point where it's value, but um, I just don't, I feel like the range of outcomes with him is kind of wide and I'm not truly uh, certain what I'm going to get. And in, in this spot, I, I kind of like to be a little more comfortable with it. You know, Steamer projects him to have a 522 plate appearances with 22 home runs and 11 steals. I feel like I would take the definite over on the home runs if he's playing all year. I think he'll clear that. But I would take the under on those steals. And that's that's my fear. He stole 12 bags in 2019, but he got caught quite a bit and he stopped running in the second half. He was 12 for 19 that year. And he was only two for three last year. I just, I don't expect the steals to be a thing to where I think he really won't be that far ahead of Blackman in the stolen base department to where, yeah, I'm taking Meadows because, or I'm, I'm taking Blackman for the safe, safe, safer batting average. I think power is going to be pretty close to the same, but just give me the, the runs, guy in Colorado. The, yeah. The runs scored too with Blackman. I mean, that's the other thing, kind of like we were talking about with Springer, but. It's just, it's such an underrated stat. And like, I mean, I know it's not, you know, it's not necessarily a skill. I mean, it has a lot to do with the guys around you, obviously getting on base is part of it, but I mean, Blackman just piles the runs on. It's pretty ridiculous. Yep. And I think it's legit. The platoon risk is legit with Meadows. Okay. I keep saying, okay. Every time I'm moving on, that's, I've realized that's one of my ticks lately. I need to stop. I need to come. Yeah. Moving we on. All, <laughs> we all have our things. <laughs> yep. Dominic Smith at 104. We covered him on the first base podcast. And next up is Dylan Moore at 112. We all covered him on the second base podcast. And then we got Byron Buxton at 115. And also at 115, his former teammate, Eddie Rosario. So of these two, we got the flashy guy who has had a lot of ups and downs or the guy who's been more consistent but was also just flat-out released by the Twins, ended up signing with the Indians. Who do you prefer between these two? 
You know, they're so different. I, I mean, I feel like if you have a good base of speed before this, there's really no reason to draft Buxton even here. Um, to me, it's like when you get to this spot, if you feel like you're light on speed or whatever, it, it's fine to take Buxton. But I just don't think that it's a guy that I would want if I had already drafted it. Um, I probably would take Rosario. I, I, I tell you, I, I, I'm not a big, uh, not really a big Rosario guy, but it's just one of those things that he does what he does. He's underrated basically every year. Um, I feel like he's been a value probably, he's probably been a value for like four years running. I don't know for sure, but, um, and I feel like on Cleveland, I think he's going to have a pretty good season and just do what he does again. I mean, they're not likely to bench him. I mean, their offense is going to need him in there. Probably going to hit be uh, hitting right behind Jose Ramirez. So, yeah, I think he'll hit for decent average, good power. I mean, counting stats should be solid. And, um, I mean, again, it's different than Buxton because Buxton is one of those guys, obviously – he could get you a ton of steals, and if that's what you need at this point in the draft, I mean, I'm I'm usually not like sitting there between, you know, I kind of looking at pockets of players like, okay, this guy's going to give me this, and this guy's going to give me that. What do I need more at this stage of the draft? So it's probably going to come down to that when I'm deciding between these two. But um, I think Rosario probably winds up being more productive if I had to guess. I have a theory on you liking Rosario this year because I don't think you've been in love with his price the last couple of years. You know, this is our third preseason preview where we're talking about outfielders. And I know one of the things I heard you say, I don't know if it was on this show or not, but with Rosario, because he doesn't walk much, you've always thought that if he scuffles in that twin system where they have so many outfielders and so many guys coming, he could end up being the odd man out. But now he's in Cleveland. He keeps producing well. And now he doesn't have that with him, really. I mean, Cleveland does not have good outfielders beyond really, like, sitting there in the waiting to where, yeah, I think he's got much more safety also. Would you agree with any all that? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, the, you know, you always worry about, like, in 2019 – if you just look at his stat line, he had 276, 32 homers, 109 RBI, 91 runs scored, three stolen bases. I mean, that's a really good four-category line. Yep. But then you look, his OBP was 300 on the dot, and he had a 3.7% walk rate. I mean, when those – you know, the surface stats, like the four-category line, it looks really good. But with guys like that, the bottom can fall out like pretty quickly, you know. So you just kind of have to navigate it and be aware of that. I mean, if if it doesn't worry you, then you just draft him. But I, I and I'm speaking a little more like in a long term sense than a short term. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, in Cleveland, there's probably going to be a little bit less fear of losing playing time or maybe a lot less fear of losing playing time and all that. So I don't really anticipate that at all. Uh, it's just a weird, it's a weird one because, you know, even here you're not expecting him to get on base a lot. It's just kind of not what he does, but I feel like he's probably got a secure role this year and will do something close to what 
he's done uh, done previously. Do you find it weird at all? Does it raise your eyebrow at all that Buxton only stole attempted to steal three bags in thirty nine games last year? Yes, it's def- definitely it's weird. Yeah. Uh, does it give you any concern going into next year the drafts? No, no, not really. I mean, he's still really fast. I just, I don't know. Like with Buxton, it, it's, um, it's weird because it's just been this way. Like for so long, I feel like we've been waiting on it and waiting on it and waiting on it. And like, there's been glimpses of it here and there and flashes, you know, like in 2017, he goes 16 and 29 and it's like, okay, here it comes. Mm Mm-hmm. And then 2018, he's hurt. 2019, he's hurt, or at least, you know, half the year. The other half of the year, he was really good. Yeah. And then last year, he hits for power but doesn't run at all. It's just, it's kind of like you just want it to all come together. Because if it does, I mean, he could be like a second or third round player. Oh, yeah. The skills that he has, you know? Um. But I just feel like a lot of it has to come together on top of the fact that we always make the jokes about him running into walls and everything like that. But I just feel like there's some of that in him, too. And he's probably a little higher of an injury risk than most hitters, I would say. So things to keep in mind. But I mean, of the two, he obviously has a higher ceiling than Rosario. It's really not even close. But I mean, the floor is probably a bit lower, too, you know. So Yeah. He hit 254 last year with a 267 on base percentage with that one and a half percent. I want to say, I think he walked once or no, twice. He walked twice, twice in 39 games. (laughs) It was a long time. I I know it was a long time until that first walk. I I remember being jokes about it and stuff. So it's a small sample. It's 39 games, Yeah, but still funny. Moving on. Let's go to the next five outfielders, and we got Tommy Pham with an ADP at 126, 31st amongst outfielders, Alex Verdugo at 127, Will Myers at 129, Kyle Lewis at 129, and Tommy Edmond at 130, who we've already discussed. Tommy Pham's my favorite on this list. What about you? Uh, Probably, yeah, probably him or, or Edmond, I would say for me, I... I don't know. I have a little more concern with fam than I did like early in the off season. I I think it's just thinking about how loaded San Diego is and how fam just seems like he's constantly nicked up. Like he's just always beat up and a little bit older and just kind of things in the back of my mind. But I mean, the skill set overall is, is good. I mean, he provides a little bit of everything and kind of feel that way about Edmund too, but Edmund's more like the Swiss army knife, kind of like we always talked about. So I don't necessarily lump him in with a lot of these guys, but yeah, those two for me, probably of this group. I wanted to bring up Alex Verdugo. He's a guy I don't think I'm in on this year. I was looking into him with an ADP of 129. You can't be projected for just 23 home runs plus steals in my opinion. 16 home runs, 7 steals with Steamer. Honestly, I feel he compares similarly to Nick Solak as I was doing some comps whenever I was having a trade discussion this offseason, except for maybe 20 points in batting average between the two. Solak has another position of eligibility and is going 40 picks later. 
And I think if I was looking at like a Verdugo, I'd rather just wait, personally. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I get it. I I think I'd probably like him a little more, but I I get it. It's not a real exciting profile. I mean, he should hit for batting average. He's young enough that you never know if he could tap into more power. He's only 24. Yeah. Um, so you never know there. I mean, I feel like he's a good enough hitter that he has a secure role and he's in pretty good offense and all that. But, um, yeah, I don't feel like I'm like in or out on him really. I mean, I haven't been two dynasty leagues, so I'm definitely interested in what he does, but it's kind of one of those guys like with Verdugo, I feel like I, I've got him in actually both my 20-team dynasty leagues. And in the 20-teamer with five outfielders, he's fine. Yeah. Like, he's just one of those guys I just – I know I can just put him in and just leave him there. You know, and he's going to do what he does. It it won't be, like, the most exciting guy in the world, but it's also going to be a guy that does something and isn't just – isn't a zero and just kind of contributes. I think of him a lot like – um and this isn't going to sound exciting, but kind of like we used to think of Nick Markakis back in the day. Mm-hmm. Just a guy that's going to play every day, accumulate numbers, and that's really, I mean, that's it. You know, it's just, there's a place for guys like that. They're not ever going to go in the top few rounds, but they're always going to be drafted. So I think he's just kind of one of those guys for me. I, You know, he kind of reminds me, there's also some uh, Michael Brantley in him as yeah. another Yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, that's good. I just feel like Michael Brantley, I'd rather just take him a couple of rounds later, personally. Yeah, I would too. Who's twenty twenty are you buying more? Will Myers or Kyle Lewis? Uh is neither an option? <laughs> yes, it is an option. <laughs> I'd probably say if I had to pick Myers, but um I don't I'm not probably drafting either one. No, I mean they both had breakouts. They both strike out a heck of a lot. Um, at least, you know, I I want to say at least Kyle Lewis doesn't have as like you've been saying with the Padres, where if you struggle, you could get moved to the bench, and that could happen to Myers. And I want to say Lewis doesn't have that, but I guess they got Kelnick coming, and you never know. Julio Rodriguez could be up. Taylor Trammell could be up. He could end up on the outside if he yeah. really struggled. I think I think Lewis will be fine like this year. Probably I'm probably overstating um not being a fan of him right now, but man, you look down the road not too far and it's like Kellenick and Julio are going to be in that outfield. Like yep. that period end of story, like you don't you don't even have to think about it. They're two of the three outfielders in Seattle when it's time. And it's probably like by the end of this year or by early 2022. So it's more like with Lewis, it's like, okay, yeah, he could be the third one, of course, but there's also like, that's one spot, you know, obviously there's the DH too, but you just kind of wonder about it more. And it's more of like a long-term concern that it's probably bleeding into my short-term thoughts. But um, yeah, I just, I just kind of wonder about it. You know, that's all. Next up, we got uh, Mike Yastrzemski, 36th overall of amongst outfielders at 137. Then we got Ramon Laureano at 142. 
Jorge Soler is the 38th outfielder, Dylan Carlson, and then Ryan Mountcastle at 149, who we talked about on the first base podcast. Andrew, you've mentioned some intrigue with Soler at his price as of late. Why has he caught your attention? You know, I don't have him on any teams yet, so... um, (laughs) um, Time to change that. Yeah, it's one of those things, really, all it is is... uh, you know, early on, like I've said before, I'm trying to get speed. I'm trying to get average. I'm trying to get pitching. I'm kind of thinking about those things that I feel like when you get to a certain stage of the draft, it's just harder to get them. And I just feel like Solaire is a good guy to grab, like right around here in round 10, 11, uh, for power. That, you know, you might be like if you're attacking those other spots. Obviously, you're you're going to be light somewhere, at least a little bit. Um, and I just feel like he can give you a ton of power. I mean, the year before last, I believe it was 48 home runs. Yeah, it was high 40s. And he led the majors in home runs on the road. Yeah, it was 48 and 117 RBI. And obviously, I don't expect that. But um, I do think he has monster power and is capable of – you know, really high home run total is going to play every day and all that. So, um, yeah, I just think it's a guy that if you if you go that route, you know, if if I was drafting like Pete Alonso and Luke Voigt or, you know, I don't know, just power only guys at the top or, you know, power and average type, maybe whatever at the top and not addressing speed and pitching and stuff. You know, if if I was doing that, I wouldn't probably target Solaire. But since I'm not doing that. Um, I just feel like he's a guy that you can grab here that, I mean, really the top outcome is probably he's top five in the league in homers. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. He was to, you know, just 2019. So, um, yeah, I just, I like him here. I haven't got him yet, but that may change. Yeah. Around right now is where a lot of the utility guys that we've shown interest in are going the Fran Mulbreas and the, Stanton's and yeah it's nice because you could get this guy who does pretty similar things and you're not filling up your util spot quite yet so that's a nice little perk for him Uh, Dylan Carlson we were both all in last year and were mostly disappointed but there was a strong finish after he was sent down to the minors for a bit and he was batting cleanup for the Cardinals in the playoffs so let's hear a stat line projection. What are you thinking, hoping to get out of him here in 2021? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. You got any ideas? I'm thinking. I didn't prep this one, so I'm thinking about it. Um, 270-280 batting average. I'm, I have not, I'm not looking at a steamer yet. I'm going to look at it right. I've got his page pulled up, but I would guess... 20, 21 home runs, 15 steals, something like that. Yeah. I think I would say like 270 with uh, 20 to 25. Yeah, I'm pretty much in line with you. Yeah, around. I think the steals are where I, I don't really know how it'll go. Yeah. Like I could see it being eight and I could see it being 18, 
you know, I'm not really sure on that, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm upset that he cost this much. I wish he was, a, I wish he was a little cheaper. I feel like in several of the drafts I've done too, he's gone higher than this. And I just, I haven't gotten him yet in a redraft league. It sucks kind of because I wanted to be in, but I just feel like there's no discount. And I thought after last year, there probably would be. And my plan was to go right back to the well. Maybe I still should, you know, I, I still like him a lot as a player, but it's weird that his draft price has actually gone up. Yeah. You know, I got, maybe it's not because he's starting in the majors at least, but, um, and he did have, he had a pretty decent playoffs, didn't he? I actually don't even know what he did I'd, in the playoffs, but I'd have to look, but I think he did all right. Small but sample, extremely small sample, obviously, but I like him as a player. I just feel like I'm getting a little priced out with where he goes, that's all. Yeah, I think he was like a 13, 15, 16 round guy last year. And yeah, now he's up here in the 10th, 11th round. And I've, yeah, I've been, I'm in the same boat. I've been going other routes at this point and not really been investing in him, but. I think he could be real good. Have you? Do you know what Steamer's got him projected for in the batting average department? Now that I'm looking, I don't know if you pulled it up. No, I'm not looking at it. Um, I would say lower than what we said. Yes, all all of the projection systems they have him right at 250, and every other projection system on here has him between 245 and 250. Yeah. So yeah, we're taking the over on that. Yeah, I would take the over on that. Anything else to add on any of these other guys? I guess I'm meaning um, Loriano and Yastrzemski. No, not really. I think they're both pretty solid. I I, I, I actually kind of like both of those guys. I like Loriano too. I mean, I think he should bounce back some, and Yastrzemski's really solid. So not not much, no. Yeah, I think I think there was a point where I was actually looking at Loriano versus Carlson in a draft. And I think I went Loriano just for the safety factor. I felt a little safer with him. I think they were both there. I, I'd have to look. Maybe maybe actually now that I think about it, Carlson might have just gone before and I took Loriano. But I think that they belong there. And yeah, I like Loriano at that price. Uh forty one through forty five, the last five we're gonna do on this episode. We got Michael Brantley. We got Dalton Varsho at both of them, them at 156. And we'll talk about Varsho whenever we get on catchers someday because none of you guys are drafting him as an outfielder. Anthony Santander, Victor Robles, and finally Ian Happ at 162. So all of these guys are going six, seven picks apart. Who do you like or dislike of this group? And again, save Varsho for when we do catchers. Uh, I mean, I mean, Michael Brantley, I mean, of course, you know, um, yeah, I love Brantley. I mean, he's just such a good hitter. You can set your watch to it. It's just automatic production, no matter what. Um, again, he's not going to give you crazy power and he's not going to give you really any speed. But he'll give you some power. He's definitely going to give you the counting stats, and his batting average will be plus. That'll help you too. So I always like Brantley because I feel like when you get to around this spot where he goes, you don't really get 
many guys that you can count on for batting average. I feel like that those guys are just getting close to gone at this point. Um, so he's just kind of a nice guy you can throw in there. And you just he's just one of those set it and forget it guys. You know, you don't even have to worry about him. Such a good hitter. Um, Santander, I kind of do like for power. And, and I honestly kind of like Robles where he's going. I mean, he definitely has his warts. I get it. He's also cheaper than ever. I mean, you could say like round 11 or wherever it's at isn't crazy cheap. But again, it's it's not it's one of those guys that I'm probably not going to target if I've already addressed my speed. But if you get to this spot in the draft and you kind of need to take one of those shots, I feel like it's not a bad one to take. I did take him in one redraft because I took a lot of pitching early and I was a little lighter on speed. So I took him. I didn't feel great about it, but it's one of those guys. I mean, he does have uh, just in terms of stolen bases. I I feel like he has a pretty high ceiling and he's going to play every day. So, but yeah, I mean, it's Brantley's my guy of this group. There's no doubt. I mean, every, every single draft that I'm in, when I get to about round, I'd say 10, 11, Michael Brantley's in my head every single draft. <laughs> like I, I just feel like no matter how you build your team, he's not gonna like. There's no build that he doesn't work uh, on that team with, you know. Whereas a guy like Robles, if you have your speed, you don't really need to take him. And I just feel like you can always draft Michael Brantley. I mean, it's, I, it's funny. I was telling somebody this the other day, but. I've draft. I feel like I've drafted so much this offseason. I've almost gotten to the point that with each round, I kind of know who I want or mm-hmm. what I want. Like I like, and I literally, I do. I think okay, it's round eleven. It's it's Michael Brantley time. You know, it's just I I do. I think it in my head. It, or ten. You know, sometimes you want to bump the guys up around or whatever. But and you know, sometimes they go earlier and you miss them. But I just kind of have certain guys pegged for certain rounds and yeah like i said around this time i'm i'm always thinking about him when you do enough of these drafts that does happen i'm definitely thinking about that too just round 11 for me is um future mvp eric hosmer there you go uh victor robles yeah he you know i feel like he's kind of like in the spot that buxton was in a couple years ago you were talking about that big 2017 for buxton and he was a third fourth round pick the next year fell apart and that's Pretty much what happened to Robles here. But did you hear the report from their manager today? Have you read that on Roto World? I saw something briefly. I, I glanced at it real quick. Something about he uh, the weights back down or something because he had put on a little bit of weight. Yeah. Wasn't that what it was? Yeah, that's interesting to me because the big – like. We both agree right now Victor Robles is not a good hitter. But what has appealed to him is he still seems like he can get 10 to 15 home runs and steal 20-plus bags. And then the weight came on last year during COVID. He, you know, owner, I think the manager admitted that he didn't come in into tip-top shape, and it showed, and he was not out there running. He was getting caught when he was running, and he he didn't steal many bags. I want to say it was like four. I'd have to look. But um, he stole four. Yeah, Yeah, stole four. Stole four in fifty fifty two games. Yeah, and 
anybody who owned him last year was not happy. Consider uh, can also can also me as a dynasty owner. And now he's lost the weight, and if he's got that weight back off, and he's I, that gives me hope that maybe he'll be back out there stealing twenty at plus bags. And even if he's not a great hitter, if you can get him in the eleventh round and get ten to fifteen home runs and twenty plus stole, stolen bases, he's going to be okay, but not great in the runs, RBI, and batting average department unless he improves as a hitter and gets himself to the top of that lineup. But there's some value in that. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. You're you're drafting him for the steals. Yep. You know, I mean, that's that's why you draft Victor Robles when you draft him. So, I mean, you kind of just have to understand that. Like, in a lot of these drafts, or, you know, really, most drafts you do, I feel like the the speed guys that aren't, you know, maybe aren't great hitters, or, or at least a lot of them aren't, they go a little higher than some people are comfortable taking them because – there's only so many guys that have 25 to 30 steal upside and Victor Robles is one of them. So if you don't want him, I totally get it. I mean, it's not like I, I think he's a good hitter. He's definitely not. He's a bad hitter right now, but he's young enough that he's still got rope in the nationals organization where he's going to play every day. And, you know, he's plays great in center field, you know, good defensive center fielder. So he's going to be in there regardless of really what he's doing offensively. And I mean, it, it could, it could be frustrating, but he could also give you, like you said, 15 homers, 20 plus steals and in round 11 or wherever, you know, that that's fine. Like that's totally fine. So. And just know as we've talked about this, this off season, if you don't get speed in those first three or four rounds, these are the guys you are going to be yes. chasing. So know yes. that going in, if you're comfortable having Victor Robles in the 11th round or Buxton, or you may have to reach and get him in the ninth and 10th round, just because you're going to need speed. Just that's what happens if you don't get speed early. So yep. just know that going in. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I remember in my very first draft, there was a point in like these rounds, you know, it was round eight to 12 or whatever where Buxton, Robles, and VR went off the board. And it was kind of right in a row almost. It was I forget yep. exactly where it was, but I remember just thinking those are the guys that you're like, "Oh god, I need speed." And it like if you don't want those guys, you got to draft speed earlier. You know, it's just cuz they can provide crazy speed totals. I mean, yep. the, at least those few guys that I just named, and maybe there's a couple more, but those guys dry up fairly quickly. And, you know, if you're not addressing it early, then you're basically saying I'm comfortable taking those guys or I'm just punting steals. And I, I don't advise that as a strategy. So just kind of what you have to know. I mean, obviously if you've, if you've addressed it early, like if I've got my speed off the top, I'm probably not even looking at Victor Robles, to be honest with you. I, I would just keep passing over him because I don't feel I need that. But if you if you land in a spot where you do, I mean, it could be worth it. Yeah, so far I've been, ever since that first draft where I missed out on speed, but I drafted VR thinking, okay, I'll cover my speed that way. And, well, that's a, another mess I've ran into with that team. 
ever since that draft, I've been focusing more on getting the speed early, and I've just passed when it got to Robles, especially because I was more cons- I was equally concerned about this weight gain and the video of him hitting that home run in the winter league a couple months ago, and it looked like his weight was still there at that point. So yeah. may- maybe it's a little more interesting. Okay, Andrew, this is where we are going to cut off this first part or the second part of the outfielders, and I'm going to ask you the question I like to ask at the end of these podcasts. From 16 to 45 amongst these outfielders, the three guys I'm most likely to draft are blank. I'm going to say Trent Grisham, Charlie Blackman, and Michael Brantley. Good picks. Like them all. Uh, Trent Grisham was definitely on my list. I was going to say Tommy Pham. And finally, who's my third guy I'm going to say? Um, well, shoot. I, I had one, and then I've lost it. Maybe Tommy Edmond, but I don't know if he counts. So I'll say Ramon Laureano. I like his price. So those are my three. All right. Uh, three guys I'm likely staying away from at their price are blank. Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And Kyle Lewis. You know the. You know what? You know what? Let me change that. Yeah, never mind. No, that's good. <laughs> Sorry. I agree with those three. Uh, I'm going to say that whole tier that we talked about, Teoscar, Conforto, Com- Guriel, Castellanos, that's one. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, all those guys. That's That was the thing. I could have said any of them. And then did you say Kyle Lewis? So I'll say Will Myers just to get the other one in that group. And... I think Victor Robles. I don't. I don't think I want to deal with it this year. I just don't. And maybe it'll end up working out. But I'd, I'd rather get my speed early and not deal with him. Can maybe that's a little bit of a jaded owner from last no, year in I, me. I totally get it, honestly. <laughs> so anyway, thank you all for listening, and we're gonna come back next here just in a couple days, and we will have the rest of the outfielders from forty-six on. Take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us baseball365pod at gmail.com and if you like the show take a moment rate us on iTunes and once again please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook that's where baseball lives 365 days a year 